Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 106 for Monday, September 14th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as Bare Fist Steve. Hello, sir. <laughs> Hello, I'm even Bare Fist Steve in the show notes this week, which is <laughs> kind of delightful, and more on that a little bit later. We've been talking a little bit about sports today, surprising everybody. Sportball. Uh, uh, yeah, and, ver- and various other things in this week's Render Distance, which is the pre-show conversation we have and the post-show as well, actually. Uh, you can get that by listening to the show through the Patreon RSS feed, which you can get by subscribing at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. A little bit of housekeeping before we get into the main show. Uh, we need to talk about Minecraft Live because we are hopefully going to be covering that October 3rd, 2020. I believe it's at 12 p.m. Eastern time, so... A little bit later than our usual podcast coverage, but we are going to be streaming that live, restreaming the Minecon, uh, the Minecraft Live broadcast, so that we can give a little bit of commentary as we go. Uh, that's going to be over on my Twitch channel at Twitch.tv/PixelRiffs. Uh, any amendments to our schedule for that will, of course, be uh, on our you know episodes of the podcast before the coverage goes live, and of course uh, on our Twitter at the Spawn Chunks. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we should be able to basically restream Minecraft Live as we've done in previous years and give our thoughts on all of the new stuff that is announced as it happens. Uh, The other thing to take into account here is that our patrons usually get the pleasure of listening to our quarterly hangouts, which is a milestone goal we unlocked a while ago where we we sit down with our patrons and we have a talk through the behind the scenes of the podcast what's been happening you know guests we're planning on having on various other stats and figures about the podcast for those of you who are interested in a behind the scenes look at how the podcast is made that would normally come up around the same week that minecraft live is going to be happening uh, on that october 3rd so we are probably going to plan that tentatively for october 10th and i believe that's the same weekend as canadian thanksgiving for you joel uh, but that normally falls over like the Sunday, Monday break, right? So It is, yeah. So we're planning on the Saturday the 10th. Uh, usually when I do family dinners, it's usually on the Sunday, Monday sort of situation. So more than likely Sunday uh, would be my guess. So um, hopefully there won't be any problems with doing a, a quarterly on, on the 10th. If not, we can always do it, try it on the 9th. Like it all depends. Saturday just tends to be a little bit easier for most of our patrons to attend because most people don't work on Saturdays, that sort of thing. Yes, absolutely. So, pencil it in now. October 3rd, Minecraft Live streamed uh, on twitch.tv slash And if you are interested in becoming a patron or you are a patron already, Q3 Hangout, October 10th. Mark it in your diaries. Uh, Outside of that, that's going to be it for the housekeeping. Let's get into our quick login. And Joel, why don't you start us off with a look at what's been going on in your Minecraft life? Well, I actually haven't played anything else but Minecraft this week. Uh, ah. I, I decided to focus in on the, the mod pack that I talked about last week, the All of Fabric 3 uh, playthrough that I've been working with on Twitch mm-hmm. and uh, enjoying it in terms of the content, having still a lot of trouble with the tech side of things. So it's been like two hours, sometimes three hours, and then I've got to bail because I've just got a headache and I can't deal. Um, so that said, uh, it has been pulling me back in because I've it's, there's been a lot of new stuff, which is really cool. Uh, I found a new biome. Uh, it was called the Pit's Edge, and it was basically like someone blowing a hole from level 63 down to about 20. Nice. Uh, okay, which, so lo- yeah. lots of resources, I assume. 
just exposed in the open rock surface, right? Except for because it's a biome, it doesn't look haphazard. It actually looks sculpted. And it, it's it's as if, you know, there was something that used to be there, like a dry lake or like a glacial till or something. Like it looks really, it looks like it's part of the landscape. Uh, next to a reimagined birched forest, which also looked very, very cool. Mm -hmm. um, so it was cool. I mean, I was able to, um, part of the gating, I think, in, in the pack, and, and because I didn't want to do it, is, is that iron is a big, 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 big thing. Uh, not just for you personally, but also just for tech mods and things like that. They tend to want iron and like reinforced iron and resmelted iron and it all it all comes down to how much iron do you have yeah i think iron um, is a good gateway or for tech mods because it's immediately recognizable to players who are new yes and so if you find that then then it starts directing you to you know get some copper and some tin and some lead and then you're like oh okay like that just looks like the iron stuff but a little bit different yeah exactly so it's one of those things where you know uh, when you're just mining it traditionally you don't really run into a lot of it but then of course when some when a biome blows a hole down to you know y20 you there's just tons like between yeah. coal and iron i was just like great because those are the two things i was running into was like smelting was becoming an issue and then so was um so was iron um but um through my own discovery but then also uh uh, a tip from not a tip it was like a confirmation from uh elkhorn a person in my in my chat um there's grinders so i've been working my way through tech reborn which is one of the tech mods in in the in the pack and it i it's partly because it was at first it seemed straightforward but also the the blocks it used like the the furnaces and the grinders and the things that it put down were cool looking and they felt very minecraft despite being modded you know they have a very minecraft looking ui they um, you know how a, a regular Minecraft furnace will have like the fire animation when it's smelting something? Yeah. Well, the 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 grinder has like what looks like a grinding wheel that goes around and the compressor has like two little arms that come together and like smash stuff. Like it just looks right. like it, yeah. squish, it squishes things. So like stuff like that I thought was kind of neat. Uh, and they're all kind of like a white silver color. So it's just, they're, they're nice looking. So I started exploring that kind of stuff. And there's some really cool things like uh, using, uh, you can double your ores. So like you put your instead of putting iron ore in a smelter, you put it in the grinder first and it gets you two pieces of iron dust. And then each dust turns into one ingot. So you can essentially double your ores, but at the cost of like, so you're still burning coal, you have to build the smelter to begin with, which is not super cheap. So that involves a lot of like copper wire. And so there's some things like that, but it felt really well paced. Uh, and I enjoyed the, the early stages of it. Um, I'm running into some issues with getting into the higher tiers. So I'm now doing an industrial grinder. Industri yeah, industrial grinder. And that involves liquids. And I've run into this before, actually, in Satisfactory. When you make aluminum in Satisfactory, you have to get bauxite, which is in this pack. You have to get water, which is also in Minecraft. And then you have to like do this refining process and then combine the bauxite uh, export fluid with other things in Satisfactory to make aluminum. And it's the same thing in, in uh, Tech Reborn. The problem is that they didn't tell you that this is a multi-block build. So I was working this for like three hours yesterday on stream and finally got all the materials and stuff together to build this industrial, uh, this industrial grinder. And then when I built the thing, it says, oh, incomplete multi-block build. Press here to initiate the hologram. So while that's cool, 
uh, because when you initiate the hologram, it says, oh, here are the nine blocks you need for the top of this thing. Right, yeah. The eight blocks you need for the middle and the nine blocks you need for the base of this thing. So it's a three by three cube that you've got to put behind this industrial grinder that you have to build out of tech blocks. And the tech blocks that you need are expensive and you need <laughs> 18, 20 of each of them. And so it was kind of like pulling the rug out for me, on, like on a stream where like I had kind of pasted out. We're like, yeah, okay, we're at the end of this three-hour stream. I'm really close to doing this this grinder. If I do this, it'll be a cool accomplishment. We'll see what it does. And I put it down, and it was just like, oh no, you have probably three, two, three more hours of grind before yeah, exactly. you can turn you, this thing. You on. are you are precisely one fifth of the way there. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to be clear that I don't mind hard work. I don't mind putting the time in for things. What I don't like is surprises. Yeah. So if if in the, in the little press shift to read more information here, they should tell you. They should tell you that this is a multi-block thing or they should indicate to you somehow when you look it up in the, you know, roughly enough items interface to say like, hey, this is going to require these things and you're going to need 20 of them. Because at that point, I would have made a different decision. Like if said, if industrial grinder was what I needed next, I would have looked at it and been like, mm, not today because we started that at halfway through the stream. I would have saved it and done it another day or done a little bit of grind off camera, like anything. I would have made a different decision if I known that it was going to be that gated. Yeah. And um, I did put in some time after the stream because I was really freaking curious about what this thing did. I'm not super impressed for the amount of work that you have to get into that to just to get different ores. <laughs> yeah. That to me is like, okay, now, now that just feels like you're just being grindy for the sake of being grindy. Like it just, it gets to the point where it's like those punishing deaths and platformer games, you know, it's like, nah, this isn't so much hard as it is just frustrating. And so I, I'm not really enjoying that part of it. Um, however, there were some other things uh, in, in the, the playthrough that were really fun, you know, getting, uh, different kind of um, smelting setups going, learning how to connect the furnaces, um, things that are intuitive that you kind of think like, oh man, there's no way this works this well. Minecraft doesn't work like this. I need a hopper and a chest for everything in Minecraft. There's no way that these furnaces and grinders are going to be smart enough to talk to one another. Turns out they are, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So stuff yeah. like that is like, you know, you auto export, auto import, you can control which, which direction things go. And so if you want, you know, one thing to go up into a smelter and another thing to go right into another grinder, it totally does it. You're like, okay, that that's cool. You know, like I enjoy that. There's less of a visual indicator on the outside of it, which I find pr troublesome. Um, so you have to kind of like remember how you set things up. Uh, I wouldn't mind having some sort of visual indication outside the block, even if it meant like having things spread out, I, I would sacrifice space to have an indicator that, you know, like for example, when a hopper is pointed left to right, it the tail of it curls, you know, left to right. Yeah. There's nothing like that for these these tech blocks. They're mm -hmm. just blocks. And it would be awesome if they had like a port or a light, you know, like how a observer has like an arrow, you know, that indicate which way things are going. Um that kind of stuff I think would be helpful. Yeah. Um and the other thing that I spent a long time doing which I wasn't anticipating and I was avoiding was mining. Uh, I mean, I know it's called Minecraft, but I was hoping that there would be an interesting way to mine, you know, something outside of the plain old go down to Y11 and mine for stuff. Uh, but in addition to iron, there was a lot of diamond gating in the tech mod. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause, and when you get diamonds early game, you kind of want to make swords and picks. You don't want to grind them in the dust to make other things with them. And mm -hmm. so it's a little bit tricky that way. And so I ended up just kind of going down and saying, all right, well, 
let's do this and let's try to research and figure out which mods in the pack will help us make this as little vanilla of an experience as possible. And there is a mod called Digus Maximus, which is essentially vein miner for anybody that's familiar <laughs> with that in Forge. It's a, it's uh, a great, it's a, great name for it though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun. Like it's a fun name. Uh, there's no special tool though. So can you, t you've played modded, you know, vein, vein miner. It, is there a tool or an enchantment that you have to get for vein miner? No, not especially. I think it's just you hold down a, a different key while you're mining okay. something. Okay, so it's the same. It is the yeah. same. I was disappointed that it was a hotkey. I felt that was a little bit OP. I was like, mm, I didn't have to earn this. All I had to do was just remap a key. You know, so it's this thing where like that to me felt easy or too easy. And then the flip side was like this tech reborn thing, this industrial grinder felt too hard. And I was just like, I'd rather grind for like, I don't know, rubies or something that allow you to get the the vein miner it doesn't have to be crazy but it just it would be nice to put in a little bit of work to get the reward um but that sped things up a bit along with the vanilla hammers pack which is just it is what it is it mines a three by three in front of you so it's it it ends up you get more cobblestone and more stuff you can see more when you're mining and something that i've not uh thought about previously either is that um Traditional mining, traditional branch mining in Minecraft can feel very claustrophobic when you're just doing the the one by two, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the hammer, while more efficient in terms of space, you're not really seeing anymore. You can see the same amount of blocks if you do branch mining with a two by one. It just felt nicer. You know, yeah. it just felt roomier. <laughs> you know, you didn't feel like the world was caving in around you. Um, and so that was fun. And if you're looking to grind materials for stone and smooth stone and stuff like that, well then, hey, you get an awful lot. Um, and that brings me into uh, the storage homework that you gave me. Oh yes, um, yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I, I did, yeah. I did set you a little bit of a task last time to yeah discover what so, uh, what solutions they have for storage in modded. So if I'm going to get into the storage part of it, I'm kind of at that point now where I'm overflowing and I need to do something about a storage room. I just have basically the your vanilla chest set up right now. Yeah, However, yeah. the personal storage is something that I looked at and it was called uh, I Need More Inventory Space or Inmus, I think was the name of the mod. And it's just backpacks. It's uh, And it's kind of, it's a decent gate. Like you need leather, which is not super easy to come by right away because um, you need eight pieces of leather around one chest to make a backpack with nine slots. Mm -hmm. uh, surround that with iron. Again, not something you have a lot of immediately. And then you get 18 slots. And then when you get gold, then you get uh, up to um, 27 slots. Yeah, so like the size uh, of a standard single chest or a shulker yeah, box, basically. Ex exactly. Now, combine that with a grinder, which allows you to double your gold ore, and I now have three backpacks that have 27, you know, uh, items in them. So that has made the exploration and the, and the ore collection stuff a lot easier. So you have like, I'd say probably about 10 hours or so of playing the game before you can get to the point where you've got two or three backpacks of decent size where it just kind of really opens up. Like you don't feel like you're dumping your inventory every 10 minutes. Um, so that's been fun. Uh, but then I was looking at a couple of other things and um, compressed blocks and fabric allows you to take things like cobblestone and things that don't normally compress into um, smaller blocks. Like resource blocks kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. like how wheat turns into uh, hay bales and how nether wart turns into nether wart blocks. Uh, this will do that with cobblestone, sand, th like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I'm running into a problem where I think it's either a problem with the mod or a conflict with blockus 
where when you uncompress the things, they no longer stack with the raw material. So if you have compressed cobblestone and cobblestone in your inventory, when you uncompress the cobblestone, it doesn't stack with the existing 26 right. blocks of cobble. Yeah, so then your inventory is like, just overflowing. It's like they've got different NBT tags or whatever. and you know Which you, you can, can't see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and it's all named the same. It should work, but it just doesn't. So so that so I've stopped using that. Um, but then again, the backpacks has helped, and I haven't really needed to use that. Um, there's also expanded storage, which is uh, using different materials for chests. So things like wood chest, iron chest, gold chest, diamond chest. And as you would expect, the more expensive the material you put into it, the more storage it has. But it also has that expanded storage without taking up. A lot of room yeah so a single chest with a double sized inventory inside that sort of thing um so nothing too imaginative there uh the dank storage mod is really neat so this is sort of like a backpack but it has modes so you can place it like a chest or you can place blocks from it like the blocks are in your hand so it's like holding six different blocks in one hand and then you just choose which one you want to place okay. and so you don't have to you don't have to constantly dig into your inventory so i haven't seen it i haven't used it myself because i'm not there yet i was focusing on tech reborn but uh iskal 85 is doing a twitch series where he's playing uh, qtech which is a 1.15 mod pack and dank storage is in that now that's a forge mod pack but dank storage looks like it's been written for both yeah uh, and so that looks really interesting because backpacks while cool you can't put down right they're they're in your inventory and yeah it, it's yeah. Be and it becomes a bit of an inventory problem when your backpack is full because you know how when you're in your inventory and you can throw an item over the side of the ui and it yes. tosses it so if you're trying to get rid of garbage like i don't need twigs or i don't need this you can't do that when you're in your backpack so you have to exit the backpack throw something out of your inventory open up the backpack bring the item from the backpack into your inventory and then close it all again and then <laughs> like throw it like it, it's i felt bad for my my stream audience because the amount of times that i was popping ui up on the screen quickly was probably just maddening yeah because uh, it was maddening to me and i was the one doing it so there's stuff like that that i'm noticing that's kind of a, a pain in the butt now i can't find the mod this morning to save my life it's in the game i've i've seen it um but unfortunately the storage solution because i went looking for pipes to try and move things around with the the different tech mods and it looks like the storage solution is like a one block solution with a remote. And it's obviously gated behind some tech research and stuff. But once you have the remote, it looks like you can open up an inventory via a remote in your hand and have access to everything in your storage room. Yeah. Which to me is like, well, if I wanted to play creative, I would just play creative. Yeah, there's it's like there's no sort of middle ground there. And yeah. the the way that is balanced in um Applied Energistics 2, which is the one that was in Sky Factory 3 when I played that, was that the remote basically has a range on it. Like there's a, it's a Wi-Fi thing and you lose Wi-Fi signal the further away uh, you get. Oh, okay. Um, so maybe I have it cuz Applied Energistics is in this pack. Right. Yeah. And uh I'm just I haven't actually used that. I've only seen it used and then I did a little bit of reading for the for the um for the podcast but i wasn't sure that that was the mod so because i was looking for storage related mods and there's nothing about like in the description or the name uh, it, it it wasn't there and this is i guess my my biggest hang up and the biggest problem that i have with modded it's not the gameplay so much outside of the things i've already outlined today it's it's the trying to find the answer it's the research stuff because while 
Digus Maximus is a very clever name. It, it 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 doesn't always help you trying to find the mod you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And the descriptions and the um the information available to you as to how to use these mods, what mods work with what, uh, and and trying to find your solutions. I feel like there's just an awful lot of like web digging and it's just like, well, do I want to play the game or do I want to spend three hours reading websites trying to figure out which mod I want to use and like, like all that kind of stuff. So I, I find the searchability and the, what's the word I'm looking for? Not regulatory, but like there's no format. You can have some mods that look like they're very professionally put together. And then you can have other mods that are in the pack that like the, the thumbnail is literally looking like someone scribbled with their left hand, (laughs) you know, like, is pack good and you're just like really this is what you've put out into the world and it might be a decent mod but like the interface and the ui and the information available to you is like well it's included in the packs so the pack developers obviously thought it was good but like there's no documentation whatsoever uh and so i have been paying attention to the um achievement screens that was very helpful actually uh, so if you're playing this pack uh, i would suggest um while there's no quest book uh, take a look at the achievements um, screens and go through those uh, because that will be that will be quite helpful I think um, yeah it sounds like you're running into my main problem with modded which is that it only feels intuitive to people who've played modded before so like yeah. the barrier to entry is always just like diving in and rooting through all of the stuff and finding some of the stuff that you're just like what is this I don't even know and it's only through experience you really get the feel for that stuff, but it's very difficult to jump into modded, have a first time experience and have anything feel intuitive to you and be like, okay, yeah. that's clearly the next logical step. And it may come because we're all so used to the progression of Minecraft at this point, And so stuff that deviates from that feels illogical. But I think vanilla Minecraft does such a good job of making itself accessible in a way that a lot of modded still doesn't because people who play modded regularly are used to these things being intuitive because they've seen a dozen other mods that work that way or they came from the era of modded where basically all the information was stored on a wiki and you just went and read the wiki a whole bunch until you figured out how the mod worked yeah it's it's a weird balance and it's one that i i often rub up against the wrong way whenever i end up playing any kind of mod pack yeah and and it and speaking of a weird balance uh something that i've definitely pulled away from this is having a new perspective on what i feel is overpowered in gameplay and the balancing act that mojang developers have to do when orchestrating a new item new game new feature new anything in minecraft you know like i i i've always appreciated that like don't get me wrong but seeing how some of these things work and how cool they are and then how unbalanced they become quickly i i just i want to tip my hat again to to the mojang developers for like you know when they do add things like shulker boxes or uh piglins and piglin brutes and uh piglin bartering for example would be an excellent example uh of of like this could be a real problem where this could be really cool but we're gonna have to juggle a lot to make this work yeah and and i can i can appreciate the the level of balancing that has to happen there a little bit more given how like with mods it's just like you've got players that are just like this is a good idea and they may not be really thinking beyond the fact that they want it and how it would affect the rest of the game you know uh and 
on the flip, there are some things that I think that modded has added, for example, the sandwichable mod, which just adds basically like a whole ton of things like tomatoes and lettuce and cucumber and like fun different things to grow. They look different in the ground, like all these different things aesthetically that are just new, discoverable, fun, and don't change the core of Minecraft. Like they don't make it easy. They don't make it hard. They just add something different. And they really, you know, outside of adding a couple of different foods, you know, they don't really do much. Uh, and I would, I wish they would be able to add things like that into Minecraft because again, it, it seems like one of the easier things to add that don't unbalance the game with the exception of course, is that you run into the inventory problem very quickly when you have, yeah. you know, all like when you've got 12 different kinds of vegetables as opposed to three then you've got, it becomes a little bit more of a storage problem. Yeah, that's the point at which you're like, how do I craft a fridge again? We need a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't run into that yet. I, I'm sure it's there, but I haven't run into that yet. So but anyway, that's my that's my big, you know, kind of like modded update. Uh, what have you been up to in Minecraft? Uh, I've been doing very little in Minecraft this week, actually. I managed to scrape together a little bit of Skyblock action, but I have mainly been focusing on streaming Minecraft Dungeons because of the new DLC that came out, and I'm saving my thoughts on that for the main discussion. We also have an email later that ties into it. But it's interesting because you're talking about all of the new kind of stuff to craft and stuff to find in, in modded. I am trying to make my Skyblock world a little prettier, and I've noticed that there are some resources you can now farm in this version of the skyblock map that you couldn't farm in previous iterations of the map like people feel free to correct me in places you can correct me if i am wrong about this but i don't think in previous versions of skyblock it was possible to craft netherrack mainly because it wasn't necessary once you get to the nether netherrack is just the default block that's everywhere and it doesn't have any specific spawning rules, so you don't have to spawn zombie piglins on netherrack, they can spawn on any solid block, so you just used cobblestone to decorate the entire thing. Now, of course, we have nylium, which has to spread to netherrack in order to propagate, and that means that you have either a limited supply of netherrack to begin with, and you have to be very cautious about using it, or the game has to provide a crafting recipe for netherrack, which does not normally exist in the game. It's not a renewable resource, simply because it's everywhere. So the Skyblock map has added a 2x2 crafting interface recipe for netherrack, which is four weeping vines. So you have to be able to grow uh, a crimson fungus for that, or once you go out to bridge out to the crimson island in the nether, you can farm a fungus from there, but there is also weeping vines already available from the fungus that's grown there. And then you can bring that home, bone meal it to get more, shear that to collect every single block, and from there you get to craft netherrack in a 2x2. So that's brand new for this update to the map, I believe. And I'm using that then to have a bunch of netherrack that I can use for decoration, and I'm eventually going to use that to start farming the warped and crimson resources so that I have those to work with. But I think it's uh, it's really interesting to have a few crafting recipes in this iteration of the map simply because the mechanics have been updated from vanilla and there are new blocks that require stuff that weren't required before. Outside of that, I don't think there are any spawns that have to happen on specific blocks that way. I think it is still biome limitations more than anything. Although I have seen a couple of people ask if hoglins will only spawn on nylium, which I don't think is the case, but that's one of those things that may have snuck by in a previous changelog. Um, 
yeah and uh yeah th there's there's some people in our live chat uh, here in discord kind of pointing that out it's the same thing yeah the uh the crimson nylium may now be the only block that can spawn hoglins which i don't know if we've seen in any of the previous change logs but it does need to be uh if it needs to be that block then you need to be able to propagate it so farming netherrack well, is something i never thought i would need to do in skyblock no but it's happening. yeah well, well, this would be harder. It's a missed opportunity to have it be uh, a, a two by two crafting recipe for netherrack of cobblestone and zombie flesh. Like that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> it does and it would work in way, Skyblock, yeah. right? Like because you, you get a lot of zombie flesh once you have a mob spawner, and you know you can have you have a, a cobblestone generator. I'm assuming like that kind of stuff um, would be would be cool. But yeah, I um I haven't returned to Skyblock. Like I because is that would we consider that modded? That's modded, right? It feels modded in a sense. It is a vanilla thing, but with data packs, and it kind of right. heavily modifies the way the vanilla game works in that respect because right. zombies drop gravel so that you can get gravel early on. Although piglins now barter that, so right. that could probably so, get taken yeah. out. Not modded in the fact that you don't need a modded launcher, I guess, yes, to, to, yeah, get, yeah. to get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is, actually, I, I added some data packs. They didn't end up working because of the way that the zip files were loaded in. I was doing it quickly before I streamed, but uh, I added in some data packs into my modded um, folder because I was like, well, this would be a little bit easier if I could smelt leather into or flesh into leather and like just some stuff like that that I've had on the Citadel for a while. And I was like, well, I'm in a mod pack. There's no, <laughs> there's no sense in holding back now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I haven't got, I do have that Skyblock world. I haven't deleted it. Uh, and it's the one, I guess it was one fifteen. I can't really remember. Uh, it was way back when you and I were both starting it around the same time. Yeah. And if, if anything, I would recommend starting again with the one sixteen version of the map, if only because that now generates biomes in the nether, which the previous right. version of the map would not because... Would not. It was, you know, unless you reset the nether dimension in its entirety, you would basically have to, you know, figure out how to do that. Because it's a, a void world in the map that has been made using a map editor or maybe even just in-game commands and using, like, the fill commands to fill that area with air. But it is pre-generated, so unless you load up the 1.16 version of the map, you won't have any nether biomes other than nether wastes to work with. Which means, right. you know, no access to some of the newer resources, nowhere that you can spawn endermen or hoglins or you know any of the stuff that requires specific biomes in which to spawn whereas nice. right now i'm farming zombie pigmen at the bottom of the world thanks to the fact that i had weeping vines that i could grow downwards to use as a ladder and the, there's a lot of new interesting mechanics that you really want to have the 116 version of the map to be able to play around with because it adds new dimensions to skyblock in in a very literal sense <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. It's 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 cool that uh, the Skyblock map has been able to adapt to the new the new 116 biomes and stuff like that. Because I thought that was a neat concept of the map that I played, which had the overworld biomes in their own little islands that you had to like carefully get yourself out to. Yeah, uh, if you wanted those rewards, and I think that's that's a smart smart way to do it. Definitely. Uh, let's move on to the news, though, because we have a, a very short news segment this week, which we're making up for by doing a lot of talking about what we've been doing this week, and we will get on to the Minecraft dungeon stuff a little bit later on. So this week in the news, we've got a Minecraft Java Edition 1.16.3. You'll have a link to that at minecraft.net. Uh, basically, it's what we covered last week with the release candidate. It is uh, MC198678. 
giving an item to a uh, to a gold ingot, uh, giving an item and a gold ingot to a baby piglin and killing it duplicates the item. Uh, and then MC196449 piglins, piglin brutes, hoglins, and zoglins have trouble pathfinding to the player when attacking. Uh, and then we also have a note here that Optifine already has a pre-release for 116.3. Uh, I have not updated anything outside of my uh, Infinity Cove patron server to Fabric this week, uh, which was a successful update and I think has been good for lag and stuff. So I'm looking at doing the same with the Citadel uh, for my personal server. I'm just not sure if I'm going to bother to go to 116.3. There's no race for us because anecdotally for me, Optifine isn't doing what Optifine says it should be doing for me. So uh -huh. yeah. uh, I need to check with some server mates. But I, I've not found since 115 that Optifine is really optimizing the game. Uh, it'll give you those connected textures and ability to do shaders and that kind of stuff. But I'm, I don't find a performance uptick for me. Uh, so there's no race. Um, for me to to get there uh, and 116.3 as we've mentioned before has some exploits that I, none of my server mates are going to really bother with so um, we're not we're, we deal with a very small closed community there's maybe six active players so it's it's not hard for us to manage this kind of stuff uh, what about you how are you feeling about 116.3 yeah I've, I've not really felt the need to update it's only a very minor update and it fixes this duplication bug which i had no desire to exploit to begin with i'm largely on single player worlds so there's not going to be anybody else around who will be tempted to use that in order to cheat items and you know in my case yeah i, I don't really see the need to update uh not least because it makes things slightly less complicated for me using things like the replay mod and other helpful things like Optifine that, you know, usually take a little bit of time to update behind the scenes. So if I was to update my Skyblock world and my series relies on using replay mod footage every now and again, it wouldn't really be possible to make the same type of content that I make until all of those things were updated. So it's an update that I'm happy skipping. There's no major issues with 116.2 for me aside from that and... Yeah, I have no uh, no need to worry about this uh, this exploit. I've never really noticed any of the piglins having trouble pathfinding to me when attacking. You know, they all seem to do it pretty effectively as far as I'm concerned. So that seemed to be an uh, an occasional bug, if anything. But yeah. yeah, I didn't notice any of that either. Uh, the rate at which myself and server mates have been killed by piglins, I think is, their accuracy seems to be a-okay as far as we know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I uh, I didn't notice anything like that in modded either because I did go to the nether this week uh, very briefly, just long enough to get a couple of blocks and unlock the recipes and things um, and find a zombie piglin spawner, which was kind of cool. Um, but other than that, like I haven't, I haven't noticed any pathfinding bugs or anything like that so mm -hmm. all right uh with the news out of the way i think we better move on to chunk mail because that was literally all the news we had this week <laughs> uh I, I i think it's going to be a big rush of news come october with uh with minecraft live so yes we're obviously going to have a little bit of a, a quiet couple of weeks between now and then but in the meantime we can fill that silence with an email from kokoro daki who is a landscape artist member of our discord thank you so much for the email the email is about minecraft dungeons blacksmith enchantments Hey guys, uh, so I've been a huge fan of Minecraft Dungeons so far and have emailed the show in the past about my desire for the ability to remove enchantments from gear, allow players to try different things without needing to commit permanently to an item or alternatively salvage it. This is now a thing with the Creeping Winter update and I've seen absolutely nobody talk about it yet. To be fair, my only interaction with the player base is the Spawn Chunks Discord. 
When you give the uh, when you give the blacksmith an item to be upgraded, not only does he re-roll the item's power when you get it back, but he also strips the enchantments from it when you give it to him. And I love this so much. I've enchanted a few items now and then to uh, try them out, and then given them to the blacksmith so I can get those enchantment points back and try something else. And when I get the upgraded item back, I can even try different enchantments on it. Of course, there is a downside to this. When you get the item back from the blacksmith, its power level is randomized, so it could come back lower than it was before. Not much lower, of course, but still lower, which makes it a bit of a gamble. What do you guys think of this feature? I'm loving it. Stay chunky, y'all. So uh, th this is something that we talked about fairly early in our discussion of Minecraft Dungeons, I think, was what happens when you get uh, you know, a fire axe that you're super happy with, but it's only level 7, and then to get further on in the game you need to be level 30-something. You effectively have to scrap your favorite weapon. Now, with the blacksmith, you don't need to. You can, you can keep hold of it. So if it's something that either is cool-looking, fun to use... You can basically give it to the blacksmith. It'll remove the dinky level that it has and give you a new level based on your current player level or power level. Is that how that works? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 all based around power level and the recommended difficulty that you get going into right. levels in the camp is usually the best way to see it. So if you take a look at whatever the default difficulty you're playing on and wh where that matches with your power level, it will say the gear you'll get from this level is between levels 48 and 59. And that is usually the type of stuff that the folks at the camp will be able to sell you. So now, instead of the wandering trader and the blacksmith to sell you equipment, you have the village trader who has... Uh, a variety of things they can sell you and if you're seeing that range with the default difficulty on the map then that's the kind of range that they'll be trading items to you for and the same goes for the blacksmith if you end up re-rolling an item's power it upgrades it to whatever that level is and then randomizes it within that 48 to 59 range using those numbers purely as an example here hmm Okay, because one of the things that I've I've had happen before, because uh, I mean, it sounds like a good idea. I haven't actually played the DLC yet, but uh, I found that it was a bit frustrating when I would get a good weapon or a fun weapon, and then the enchantments would be something that either didn't benefit my current playthrough style uh, or were just like not good. You know, like just, yeah. it just this is a cool enchantment if it, this was a bow or if this was like a, a different kind of weapon, but this is like a scythe or, a, you know, a staff or whatever it is that I had. Um, I'm trying to think about like, it, like something like a hammer that would have stun effects would be good, but then a hammer that has um, I, I can't think of, like speed may not be what you're going for. Um, I mean, those are random thoughts. I know that there's probably not actual enchantments in the game, but um, so if I was a, be, to to use a hammer and say, well, this doesn't have the right kind of enchants that I want, uh, or it's too, or this is such a really fun hammer, I wish it had the same enchant that the last hammer that I had did, then you might be able to roll your dice a couple of times with the blacksmith and eventually get, granted it might be a slightly different power level, but I would say that I don't know that those power levels make that much of a difference compared to the enchantments. I feel like the enchantments are really what change your your game uh not style well they change your gameplay style but they also change your your winability i think your your success rate i think is more hinged on the enchantments that you're using versus just whether something is like a level 47 versus a 52 
you know yeah i mean it, it it really depends because the power level itself doesn't mean much what it does mean is a general indication of how much damage that thing is going to be doing and the actual damage numbers are on the right hand side along with the rest of the information about the weapon and its enchantments so you could be going from something that does let's say 50 damage per hit to something that does 70 damage per hit and that oh. might just be enough to take you through the next difficulty level up the chain um right so so that's the the benefits to increasing its power level as for the enchantments of course it keeps the same enchantments when you re-roll the weapon so the only thing you are re-rolling is the power but it removes the enchantment points that you had from that so you can reuse them on other gear without scrapping that weapon or armor and then when you get it back from the blacksmith it still has the original enchantment choices that it had when you obtained that weapon to begin with oh so, i see so for a bow for example if you want to try out multi-shot and then you're like actually i don't like multi-shot let me try out double shot instead because it does slightly more power with the second arrow than it does with splitting it between multiple arrows then you know y y or if you if you regretted one of your choices and you you're like oh now i know what that does i really wish i would have picked that one right. if you give it to the blacksmith you can get it back and you can choose the enchantment that you weren't able to then go back and choose before. So you can respec your weapons that way, basically. Right, okay. That's cool, because I, I misunderstand how it worked, but also that is also a nice way to make it not super OP. Like, you, you still yes. have the same same three choices or two choices or whatever it is that you had. That's cool. Because I've the, done that before, too, where I go down a tree, and I'm like, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have gone this way. Yeah, the, the other thing that makes it not super OP is that there is effectively a timer on the blacksmith re rolling your gear and giving you a, a different power level on whatever weapon it is that is not a specific amount of in-game time you have to complete a certain amount of levels so you can't just give him your weapon wait in the camp for 20 minutes and then get it back from him you have to go in and complete three levels with a different set of weapons and then come back so it's encouraging you to switch up your play style even if you favor one specific type of weapon because you then have to go through and play some of the uh maybe some of the shorter maps if you want to just like breeze through it just run through creeper right. woods a couple of times uh but huh. it basically it, it encourages you to try using other gear even if you know you're going to come back to the uh, the weapon you've just given to the blacksmith that's smart that, yeah. i like that yeah it's very very cool and we will go into a little bit more of that in a second but yeah i i do like the way the blacksmith works i think it's a little bit closer to what players were hoping for from this game and it does mean that you don't have to do too much of that loot grind towards the end game if you found the type of weapon that you uh, you want to use already. So I, I agree with Coco's email. I think it's uh, a, a pretty decent uh, change to the, the overall structure. And there have been a lot of changes to Creeping Winter. So let's jump into our main topic here because I have a lot of thoughts written down about my, my first brush with the Creeping Winter DLC. So I'm looking forward to this because I, like I said, I haven't finished the first difficulty level of the game, so I haven't played any of the DLC. Uh, so I've got some questions from the outside as someone that is, you know, looking to get into it, but like, you know, haven't hasn't had that uh, fists on experience. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's let's talk about the new camp layout since we're we're you know rolling into this from the email. Um, you started off with the previous version of the game. Uh, you started off with a blacksmith who would trade you randomized items. You just gave him some uh, some emeralds and he would give you either weapons or armor. Um, and then the wandering trader who traded you random artifacts. 
the, the wandering trader has completely disappeared, which makes sense. Uh, I was confused at first, but it totally makes sense that he was a wandering trader. He's now despawned. <laughs> you know, he's wandered on. Um, and the camp layout is completely different. The blacksmith is still there, but he does different stuff. And the villagers have been split a little bit differently. So if you still want to go and get randomized items, you can now get those from a mystery trader, uh, who is one of the villagers that they previewed in the Minecraft Dungeons Dev Diary video a little while ago. Uh, and he sells you basically loot boxes. He'll sell you the blind. You don't know what's in this. You get the idea that it's either a completely random item or it is a random artifact, a random ranged weapon, a random armor, or a random melee weapon. I think those are the categories it breaks it down into. So you have some idea what category of item you're choosing. And uh, each of these villages has multiple spaces. So he starts off with a stock of two blind boxes, essentially. But there are little quests and stuff that you can do to unlock additional blind boxes until you have up to six. Um, and so I think the mystery trader wants you to go and defeat um, basically like the higher level mobs that you encounter, like the mini bosses, basically. So if you, you're running through a level, you encounter an enderman, you defeat that enderman, that is one more point towards unlocking more of these mystery boxes from the mystery trader. The same is true of the luxury trader, who will now trade you some of the rarer stuff, has a higher chance for interesting artifacts or unique armor, and he will trade you that stuff at a, basically at a, a very high price, like a, you know, in the thousands of emeralds kind of thing. But if you've been saving up and you want something very specific, that's the place to do it. I think that guy, I can't remember what it is he wants you to do to unlock stuff. Um, but it's a similar kind of goal. It's like defeat interesting enemies or run through levels that have bosses a few times. So it gives you more of an option for like replay value. Then the village trader is now the one you go to for the general gear, the kind of stuff that you would get from the blacksmith in the previous patch. He has six slots available, but they are gated behind you, rescuing villagers from the levels in which you do that, which are, I believe, uh, creepy woods, uh, creeper woods, and the redstone mine level. You basically have to re like go and take back these villagers who have been captured by the uh, the illagers. So th there's actually now a way to have little in-game quests related to how much stuff you can buy from the merchants at the camp, which is another great way of adding some more replay value into the game. If these yeah, guys... because if you had completed those before, you'd have to... After the DLC is out, you'd have to go back and do those again, right? Yeah, basically, you, you are replaying the levels multiple times. And in, oh, terms cool. of, in terms of the amount of mobs that the mystery trader wants you to fight, there's a lot. Like, it's it starts off just being like, you know, beat... 10 of these mobs you unlock the next slot you're like okay great and then it's like 25 of those and then it's like 100 of those and i think the last one is like you have to beat 250 or 500 or some kind of like absurdly high number and all that really does is unlock like a sixth space for a random item but that is still an incentive to go and grind through some of these levels and probably get a bunch of new loot as you do um so that's pretty cool and i think giving them all visible inventories and inventories that you can re-roll as well, because you can pay a small amount of emeralds to basically have them restock and completely change all of the items. And then you can preview each of the items before you buy them, instead of just getting something completely random that might not be what you need. Instead of just wasting all of your emeralds on that, you can actually be a bit more selective about the kind of character that you want to play as well. So I think that's a, a pretty smart change. And effectively, these villagers are now additional quest givers as well. Um, there was also uh, in the camp... I believe this was maybe there before and I just didn't look for it, up behind the nether portal that you find after you've unlocked the 
after you've unlocked adventure difficulty when you've beaten the game on default for the first time there's another mm. hidden obsidian chest up there you can like climb up the cliff and and find something in the camp that will give you a bunch of extra emeralds and a new loot item which is i don't even fun. think i've ever seen one obsidian chest it's only just been the wooden chest that's in different locations around the camp yeah there are three different types of chests basically there are wooden ones there ah. are um there are uh, gold chests that you normally find just as loot in dungeons and that kind of thing and there are hidden ones which are obsidian chests that are usually for finding like a secret part of a level um, oh cool Moving on to the other main thing about the free update that everybody has gotten, even if you didn't buy the DLC, you will still get this popping up as part of the update in your default game, and it's daily trials. Daily trials are pretty fun. Um, I like the additional challenge, and we covered this briefly in a previous show, but for people who aren't aware, it basically adds a bunch of modifiers to playing through one of the existing levels. So it will be, for example, players have 20% more speed, players also have an enchantment that gives them like uh you know looting or something so like you, the the mobs will drop items more but then 50 percent of the mobs in the stage will be replaced by creepers and so suddenly you have either running the gauntlet through all of these creepers or you can take out the creepers systematically and you get way more loot from it so there's a little bit of give and take it usually makes the levels a little bit more difficult and then at the end of the level you get a chance for an item that is a higher level power-wise than anything you can get from any of the other stages regardless of what difficulty you're playing at so if you are maxed out and you're only getting gear that goes up to power level 113 from the regular levels the daily trials will let you get something that is five or six levels higher than that if you beat like the top level daily trial and there are i think four or five of them on the map every day and they're constantly rotating in and out uh from day to day um, I wonder if if they're shooting themselves in the foot with these power levels because World of Warcraft have this had this issue and I don't remember which update it was. Perhaps anybody that's familiar in our live chat can fill me in. But at one point there was the giant item squish where power levels of like s item levels of like six hundred and seven hundred and stuff was just getting too hard to manage and yeah. the damage was in the millions. You know, in terms of what you were actually dealing with your modifiers and spells and all that kind of stuff. And so they had to take everything down and they, and it's, it's all the same proportions, but they had to make the numbers just like easier to manage. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, if after two DLC packs, we're already at level 112, if, if this is just going to get astronomical very, very quickly. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting to see how that stuff ends up getting managed. And there are already people who put together builds where with the right combination of enchantments and critical hits and, you know, a strength potion and a shadow brew, you can do like 2 million plus damage with a certain weapon. You know, like there, there's some ludicrous stuff out there. And, and that's what I find fun about it a lot of the time is just mm. finding finding fun ways that you can mess with the game and really break it in certain ways. But that's that's also part of the experience, I think, with this stuff. So we'll see if the power creep really becomes a problem as they continue to update this game, which I'm sure they will at this point. Um, one of my favorite experiences with these daily trials, first of all, was um, I'm still using my Bare Fist Steve character, but he has um, the Fighter's Bindings, which is a punching-based weapon so it's up close melee weapon only really attacks something within a range in front of you but uh there was a daily trial that gave you a hundred percent chance for the critical hit enchantment to work so you ran through the entire level doing triple damage to everything and it was very very fun um and 
I think the only downsides to that daily trial were that all of the mobs had deflect, which basically deflects arrows off of them if you fire at them. And that wasn't a problem for me because I wasn't using ranged combat at all. <laughs> so I basically just ran through socking everything in the face. Uh, yeah. and it was, it Deflect was... this! <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, it was, it was super fun. Um, I feel like it's, it's almost a missed opportunity. And I know this is just the cartoonist brain that I have. Just It's too bad that as you start to wail on things that your character doesn't do like kung fu screams like it's it, all yeah, the characters yeah. in minecraft are in minecraft dungeons are silent like there's no battle cries and it's kind of too bad because i think it would just be hilarious if you're just pounding on something and just screaming randomly you know? yeah <laughs> just, you know like the the angry angry bare fist steve you know yes just uh striking fear into the heart of some pillagers here and there yeah um the the thing about the daily trials for me is that the power level is within a range still so it's still like you could get something between level let's say 108 and 118 which most of my gear at this point on my highest level character my like apocalypse difficulty uh character is around the 112 to 114 range so you could play through this daily trial once still end up getting an item that is actually lower level than the gear you have and then you can only play those levels once per day. So you have to wait until tomorrow until you can play the highest difficulty trial again. And you're not... You, the category of the reward is specified, but not the reward itself. So you could end up grinding away for an item that you don't want at a power level you don't want, and then you can't replay that level. So it, it's it's weird. It's a different kind of grind and to me it doesn't quite feel like the right balance but for people who just want to pop in and play like the daily trials for let's say an hour a day and you don't have much time to play more than that it feels like a fairly sensible way to do things if you're still interested in getting more out of the game and i wonder if that again is something that's going to evolve a little bit more as they add more stuff to the game later hmm so was, in terms of like getting into like the actual gameplay, like how how is how is the level experience now that like you've you've done the dailies, you know, you, when in terms of like the actual DLC expansion contact, like how is that? Yeah, Creeping Winter is a very good expansion to this game. I think more so than Jungle Awakens. Um, it felt more contained than the jungle levels, which had a lot more of like a sprawling, multiple pathways in different directions kind of thing but these were still open to exploration. If I had to compare them to a level from the existing game, I'd say it was more like a, a wintry pumpkin pastures. It's got that kind mm. of village setting and basically a a thaw, uh, not a thaw, like that's the opposite. Like a, a winter has set in on this land and you have to find out what's been causing it. Um, and that leads into a boss fight later in a effectively like a fortress style building. So you're running through something that feels like a, a winter version of pumpkin pastures and then it ends up in a winter version of something that's like a cross between that and uh high block hall which is the archillager's castle towards the end of the main game right so yeah you, you end up playing through a variety of scenery encountering a variety of mobs it reintroduces uh stuff like the royal guards the vanguards with the shields the really kind mm -hmm. of tough guys um and it also introduces a few more mechanics so you're sliding around on the icy sections and there are some sort of puzzle sections which i think are optional for the level but if you want to go exploring and find some of those extra loot chests there are sections where there are sluice gates that you can kind of raise and lower and it lowers the water levels in some areas so normally when you fall into the water you turn into a block of ice and you basically jump back out have to break your way out of the ice and you're kind of stunned for a couple of seconds 
Whereas in some sections of the level, you can lower the water and then suddenly it reveals this riverbed that's got extra stuff in it or a section that was previously a flooded village that becomes revealed and you can go in and collect some stuff. And oh, those, cool. those sections were really well structured. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough to have Mark Watson from the Mojang team in my Twitch chat when I was playing through these. And he said the people, oh, nice. the people at Double Eleven really went like to town on making the kind of puzzle elements of this map more enjoyable. So I think mm. they, they did really well on the level design for this. And I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Um, I really enjoy mechanics like that in games where what, you pre what previously was a trap, avoid, do not go ends up being something that you can change, like draining it or raising it or like pulling a lever and then like platforms that were under lava then become above lava, like stuff like that I always find really cool because it then opens up, you know, what you thought was a cookie cutter level, you know, and changes yeah. it into something more interactive. That's always really cool. Absolutely. Uh, you said that you had to break out of the ice. So is there a mechanic where you, you don't just, it's not just a timer, like do you have to like button mash to get out of the ice? I think button mashing gets you out of it faster. I think you probably break oh. out of it naturally within a few seconds. But yeah, huh. it's, it's one of those things where if you're surrounded by mobs and you want to like frantically tap A to try and get out faster, I think you have to do that. Right. Um, so how punishing is that mechanic? Like, do you find it fun or is it like really frustrating? Does it happen a lot? It doesn't happen very often. And I think the reason for it is they kind of stop you on the edge of those lava, la lava lakes, the water, like the ice holes where when you are sliding around and it's only like a mob pushing you back with an attack that actually lands you in the water, unless you like roll uh, in there deliberately, right? Yeah, okay. So, right. so if, if, you're, if you're avoiding it, like if you're sliding towards it and you're pressing away, you probably won't go in. But if somebody punches you, you might. Yeah, it's it's That's very it's it's yeah. pretty forgiving and it allows for very fun movement on those icy sections. Like I really enjoy it, nice. it it basically feels like you're drifting around the place like you're playing a racing game kind of thing, like drifting nice. around corners. And, and and probably adds that element of fun where you're like, you're like oh no oh no oh no oh no and you're not falling in all the time, but you're still kind of worried about it, so it creates that kind of like excitement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's it's a good pace for those early levels and it happens more in the first level than either of the other two. Um, there is a, a bonus level as there was with the Jungle Awakens DLC. There are two story levels and then a bonus level, kind of like a creepy crypt or a soggy swamp uh, bonus level, soggy cave. Uh, there is a lost settlement bonus level in the Creeping Winter DLC that felt like the least remarkable of the three levels at first. But then it ends with a boss fight with an illusioner, and I'll get into the illusioners in a second, that happens around this weird relic that's kind of like a green glowing redstone lamp, and you have to beat three waves of enemies. But as you're doing this, this relic is charging up, and it's leaving behind these almost holographic glowing runes in the air, like the runes you see going into an enchanting table in vanilla Minecraft. Mm -hmm. Those kind of like, um, whatever it is, standard galactic alphabet characters. Uh, and those look really cool. And it kind of implies something about the deeper lore of this game, if people are really interested in that, about the kind of mystical techno-magic kind of stuff that villagers are capable of. Um, and, and what exactly that does is never quite revealed. It's just you get to the end of it, you have to fight three waves while this relic is being protected, and then you end the level and then that's it like congratulations winter is over you've managed to thaw out the land but it doesn't exactly explain what is going on at the time leaving some of it to a sense of mystery which i think is a really nice way of doing it yeah i want to leave some chance to weave that into maybe another callback in a different expansion or yeah kind of see what they can what they can do in terms of um the longevity of of the story 
There are also statues hidden around some of these levels in sort of off rooms here and there, which look like statues of more like player type figures. And the design of those is pretty consistent. So in the the like in high block hall for example in the main game where you see the statue of the arch illager and he's like standing over the ender dragon as though he's somehow killed the ender dragon right uh there is stuff like that that is seeded throughout these newer dlc levels but is done with player looking characters and so it kind of implies that there are other players in this world and that there is this story going on because you presume these statues weren't made of you <laughs> because that seems like too yeah. close too close to the timeline of the original game so i kind of wonder if there is something at play there where they're they're trying to work in a a sense of narrative about there being like heroes of old into this thing or or maybe it just felt like a good tie-in to the kind of maybe norse mythology sort of vibe that you're going to get in these winter themed levels so mm, yeah kind of very cool kind of interesting Ho hopefully they don't do any time travel because yes <laughs> i've had I've had, an, I've had enough of that <laughs> yeah 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 we'll we'll see we'll see but um mob wise uh, i know we were concerned about the mobs just being you know icy creepers and and things right. like that there is more to it than that and I'm, I'm happy to report that the uh the new mobs are quite fun so um skeletons are of course replaced with strays uh, who naturally in regular Minecraft would shoot slowness arrows. In this one, they shoot you with an arrow that applies the freezing effect, which was already in the game to begin with, but just slows you down a little bit. So effectively, the way you expect strays to behave. Zombies now throw snowballs at you before they come in to melee attack you. So zombies kind of have a similar um, behavior pattern to the way spiders work, where they try and web you from range and then come in and melee attack you. And then the zombies will run at you once they've done that. So it's actually kind of kind of interesting to see the changes to zombie AI. And then you get to the new illagers. So there is an ice ologer uh, who basically rains these ice boulders down on you from above. And it's tough, especially when paired with the geomancer. You know how geomancers will have that attack where they just surround you with columns and you can't move forward and you have to kind of find your way out of the box they've just put you in. Yeah, they create like a U-shape. Yes, yeah. Imagine two of them doing that, so you're trapped into basically like a, a kind of linked section of U-shapes, and then somebody flings a boulder at you, <laughs> and that's, that's, that was one unavoidable death I took where the geomancers penned me in on both sides, and then the isologers just stunned me until the stuff that was in the box with me could finish the job. So yeah, they, they, they don't often team up super well tactically, because I expect the attacks are still somewhat randomized, but yeah, there are a couple of sticky situations you can get yourselves into pretty quickly. Aside from that, they don't have a melee attack. They will typically run away from you a few uh, a few blocks and then try and drop a boulder on you again. And those are usually fairly easy to avoid if you've got a dodge roll handy or some sort of artifact that'll let you use swiftness. The block pauses in midair for a second and then it comes down, so you can usually have a chance to get away but there are some situations where you're on a thin path or you're stunned for a second and those things are unavoidable so it's it's pretty pretty good and then the the last regular mob to be introduced is more of a mini boss which is an illusioner uh, which is kind of a welcome surprise because illusioners have been in vanilla minecraft in the code for a while but were never implemented into the main game they are still known about generally but you can only summon them using commands in vanilla minecraft so uh the illusion was kind of a welcome surprise and i think like the geomancer it makes way more sense fighting them in third person isometric top down kind of view than it does in regular minecraft because their attack pattern is to create illusory clones of themselves 
kind of like the um the nameless one who is the boss fight at the end of the desert temple level um where it creates clones of itself around you and then tries to like fire inwards at you in the center that's effectively what the illusioner does and you just have to find the real one um uh, so, right on. so so they're kind of tricky to fight uh there is one of those that's a mandatory boss fight at the end of the frosted fjord level and then they show up as mini bosses throughout some of the rest of the other levels so yeah it's it's a fun uh kind of mini boss fight and yeah it's like an illager was watching the nameless one and like taking notes and being like oh okay those are tactics i can use so yeah it felt like a, a fun addition to the existing crowd of illagers to me Kokoro Daki, who wrote in this week, happens to be in our live chat and uh, mentioned that something that uh, they didn't like about the Stray's frozen zombies is that they replaced every skeleton and zombie, which slows down the combat. Whereas in Jungle Awakens, maybe only a third of the skeletons and zombies were replaced with the poisonous variants, which felt dangerous enough, despite the damage uh, from poison not being that much. Yeah. Did you feel that it was too slow? Like, Would it be better if not all the zombies were snowball zombies? I wouldn't say it was too slow, but I definitely felt slowed down a lot of the time. There are, hmm. additionally, Jungle Awakens had some extra potions that weren't available in the regular levels, which gave you an extra defensive buff. Um, so they were called Oakwood Brews. And um, Creeping Winter has its own equivalent of that, which is a, I think like a sweet berry potion, kind of tying it into sweet berries being found in snowy tigers. And that will give you 20 seconds of freezing resistance. However, uh, I found more often than not that if I drank one of those freezing resistance potions while I was already experiencing that frozen effect, which you will be a lot, it stacks. And so it does more freezing to you if you're already frozen somehow, which is kind of weird. And I don't know if that's just a bug or if that's the intended effect, but nothing was really mentioned about that in the, the little flavor text that comes up when you find one. Um, but they, they're big purple potions. They kind of look like larger versions of Shadow Brews, and you can you can drink those to be frozen less if you drink it before you really get into combat. So it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword, that one. Um, have you found any combination of these new features to be OP? Like, have you kind of found anything that you did kind of now that you're through it to be, you know, kind of like a an unbalanced loadout? No, no more so than it was already, really. Like, I, I'm already using pretty powerful weapons at this stage, and fighting through it on the highest difficulty, I didn't really run into that many issues. Um, I haven't messed around too much with the newer weapons and armor. There is a snow armor, which naturally already has the, um, the snowball enchantment built in that will throw a snowball every couple of seconds to stun enemies around you. Um, and I think there are unique versions of those which I haven't played the levels frequently enough to to actually find yet. Um, but yeah, there, there is... I don't think there's anything there that's really rocking the boat in terms of the meta, you know, in terms of like the, the most OP way of doing things. They have added some new enchantments for weapons though, and this gets into something else I wanted to chat about, is that the the enchantments are being added to, and more stuff like that has popped up in Creeping Winter than was in Jungle Awakens. So there's clearly room for expansion in that area of the game as well. There is an artifact that gives you um, basically a summonable bee, uh, and I think you can summon up to three. So it's basically a hive on a stick uh, that you can use, <laughs> like the um, you know the wheat that summons a llama or the tasty bone mm -hmm. that summons a wolf that you get pretty early in the main game. Um, so you can have these bees, which either attack things once and despawn, or despawn after a few seconds. So it's kind of like the way bees work in regular Minecraft, where they can only attack you once and then they die. Um, 
There are also enchantments that allow you to summon bees when you hit stuff on certain weapons, and there is an armor enchantment that allows you to summon bees by rolling. So in theory, with all of those stacked up, you could have up to nine bees in play at the same time, <laughs> which basically means you are swarmed. Uh, and I like that as an idea. I think there's also an armor that, I think it might be the unique version of the snow armor actually gives you a, like a beekeeper suit kind of armor. And that also has bees built into it. So yeah, you can you can swarm people if you want to. And that might be kind of OP, but then you have to keep re-summoning them every time they get used. So um, it's, yeah. It's weird to me that they chose the Creeping Winter DLC to give the bee armor, but I guess it just, it, it does that does that come out for people that don't have the DLC? Like, is that just part of the free update? I think it is one of those things that will show up in the rotation at the camp. I'm not certain okay. of that, but then when Jungle Awakens came out, they added a battle staff and something else, which I definitely got through the blacksmith before I got it through any of the levels. Right, so, okay. Uh, there is some stuff, I think, that might be unique to those levels and some stuff that you can still get from the uh, the the rotation in the, in the camp. Right, just because be bees in winter don't seem like they go thematically <laughs> hand in hand, yeah. right? That's why I was asking. I have a feeling it might have been one of those things that they thought would be good to add to Jungle Awakens, but maybe didn't have time before the first right. DLC. Right, because I was thinking out. in my head, like, jungle bees would be more, would make more sense. Yes, yeah, definitely. And uh, that actually ties in a little bit to the achievements. And obviously, I want to talk about this because one of the achievements was kind of inspired by my uh, No Weapons playthrough, where the Frozen Fists achievement has to be gotten by beating... Uh, Frosted Fjord, which is the first uh, Creeping Winter DLC level without using any weapons, which, you know, I'm obviously super happy with. It's, it's amazing to have a, a nod in the form of an achievement to, uh, to something that I've done. Uh, so thank you again, Mojang, for that. Um, the, the achievements that they've added with this also include achievements for Jungle Awakens, unless I've missed them being added along with the original DLC. Um, but all of, the, all of the new achievements basically tie into DLC content, um, and one of those is to beat the secret level uh, with unique gear from the jungle. And that's a very specific set of gear because there is some stuff that you can get from other levels. The jungle enemies if you and, and loot chests and stuff will drop things like gauntlets, they will drop swords, cutlasses, that kind of stuff. But all of those can be obtained in other levels, so they, they are not technically unique to the jungle. What you end up with is the whip weapon the ocelot armor and an artifact called corrupted seeds and those are the only things you can use to beat the secret level so it's actually quite challenging to give players effectively an incentive to use weapons and armor that they might not be used to already and they might not have the the most overpowered versions of to try and beat what is otherwise a fairly difficult level i think you can cheese it by playing on a lower difficulty than the the gear that you've got you could probably go in on default difficulty um and there is no jungle unique bow, so you can't use ranged weapons. So I think they're using the achievements to introduce another set of, like, prompts for player challenges in the same way. So, like, try and beat the game with a specific set of gear, or try and beat specific bosses with, like, a limited amount of loadout, in addition to the daily trial stuff where a lot of stuff is already modified. I think that's a neat way of expanding the game into other challenges people might want to try if they think the game doesn't have enough replay value on its own. Nice. Yeah, uh, and I would encourage anybody to check out the achievements list, which is just available through, if you're playing on Xbox, of course, it, or, or PlayStation, it will show up as uh, part of the, the native features of the console, and the Xbox companion app has it on, on Windows, if you're playing on Windows like I am. 
um yeah super fun had a great time with the uh the creeping winter dlc and as we've discussed in previous episodes of the show there is still the potential for the game to expand into other biomes other kind of themes and stuff like that so looking forward to seeing what comes up of this especially as we have minecraft minecraft live coming in a couple of weeks time one last question before we wrap things up um did you have a chance to do any multiplayer have you been able to trade any gear with anyone uh, i have not and actually this is something i forgot to mention about the camp because i didn't realize that all of the village folks weren't going to be there by default because I'd already beaten the game, my camp was already full of every villager that was there. But then when I went in and started a new character, you now have to unlock those villagers from specific stages in the original playthrough. So you go through creeping uh, Creeper Woods. Excuse me. You go through Creeper Woods. You find the village trader there in a separate like dungeon area that wasn't there previously. Like there's a creeper, mm. a stone creeper head at one point that is open that was closed before. And you go in there, beat a couple of enemies, and then you fight. You find the the village trader just kind of penned in in one of those kind of wooden barricades. The same is true of the blacksmith, the the gift wrapper, the mystery trader, and the luxury trader. So they are all seeded throughout the early levels of the game at this point, and they are completely optional. You can find them or not find them. Uh, some of them are hard to miss. I think the luxury trader is right at the end of the Cacti Canyon, so you can basically go through the entire thing and he's just there on the right hand side before you leave the level um i have not found the blacksmith or the gift wrapper yet i don't know where they are um and the gift wrapper is the one who will allow you to trade items between other folks in multiplayer i have not played any multiplayer since the dlc came out so i haven't had right. that opportunity to do so i am hoping to do that at some point soon though because the only achievement i have left to unlock is the one that requires you to play multiplayer because it's for reviving your allies 20 times. And I've only done that eight times because the people I play with are very good. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I, if, uh, I, I, will, I will share this story. I hope he doesn't mind. Uh, Fix It uh, sent me a tweet after I mentioned that on Twitter. And I said, you know, the people I play with are really good. And he said, well, I can lend you my five-year-old and, you know, you'll, you'll be able to get that achievement before you know it because he, he sucks at this game. And I was like, way to throw your kids under the bus, fix it. Great job. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It will be even more fun in multiplayer. And I, I expect people are having a blast with it if they're still into the game. There is a tendency for games like this to feel like a flash in the pan to people who are used to playing much longer term games like Minecraft but give this one a go because i think the the expansion to it now six more levels having been added since the game initially came out i have more than got my money's worth out of this game at this point and i hope everyone who is listening and considering checking it out will have as well we've also got the the potential you know um updates that are you know planned down the line with information coming on october 3rd right so it means it's not over yet Absolutely, yeah. Hopefully this is just the uh, the second of many more. Uh, but that's going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you folks so much for listening. As always, you can find information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, please consider putting some value back in. You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, and you can even listen to 
the show live like our lovely audience has been doing in Discord today. It also gets us closer to our next milestone goal, which is a monthly Minecraft audio hangout where we have a Discord hangout with our patrons just to chat about what we've all been doing in Minecraft that month. We're currently at 208 patrons, which is an increase from last week. Thank you so much to everybody who is new and jumped on board. And special thanks, as always, go out to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Dilken Seven, Greener Canuck, JD Williamson, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can e- find us on The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast with your friends. Just tell them about The Spawn Chunks and where they can go to listen. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And of course, leave a podcast review on your favorite podcasting app. That helps strangers find the show. The RSS feed is linked on thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only rss feed is on the patreon page the only place where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast my name is johnny but online i go by pixorifs you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash pixorifs where i attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the minecraft survival guide i also stream three days a week on twitch where this week i'm back to farming ancient debris in the nether and i'm also the voice of the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search aside from that i'm at pixorifs on both twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm doing online is at joelduggan.com. It's pretty easy to find. That includes my email address, uh, links to social media, links to my other podcast, The Citadel Cafe, where this week I will be talking about Wizards, Tales of Arcadia, which I finished on Netflix. And of course, you can find me on Joel Duggan on social media and twitch.tv slash joelduggan, where I have been playing a lot of modded, but I'll be looking forward to getting back into maybe some satisfactory and other things in the future. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Who knows what you can achieve?